0: This is Web Explosion Conversation, episode 40. Welcome to the show. I am Ryan Williams, president and founder of the Web Suasion Group, and this is our 40th episode. Over the last two years, we've done 40 of these professional profile format shows, and this is our last one of this format. We're going to be switching to a new format in about mid-July, hopefully, is when we're hoping to premiere it. Today on the show is our last guest in this format. We have Jill Heineck of Heineck & Company. She is a corporate relocation real estate specialist, and her company is with Keller Williams. She's going to talk to us about her marketing background and what she does for her relocation customers. So as I said, we're moving to a new format. We're going to be talking about specific topics for each show and featuring several guests per episode across several episodes. So you'll still get to learn more about our guests, but those conversations will center around specific topics per episode. We also plan on having a full video version of the entire podcast available moving forward, which we have also not done in the past. So we hope you'll check back in with us in about a month or so check out the new format, and we hope you enjoy it. Here is our conversation with Jill Hynek, which we recorded literally a few days before the COVID-19 crisis hit the U.S. Well, Jill, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. So tell me about where you grew up.
1: I grew up on Cape Cod. Oh, cool. In Massachusetts. Yeah. And um, I went to college in Boston, just about a mile from Fenway Park.
0: That was Simmons University? That's Simmons.
1: Yeah. It's now Simmons University. When I was there, it was Simmons College.
0: Gotcha. And you were doing marketing, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I was a major in advertising and PR.
0: So what got you into the idea of doing marketing and advertising?
1: I felt like I was really good at communicating a message, so I thought that I would be excellent at doing that for others, other businesses, Um, and so I got a lot of experience doing many internships, working in big agencies all around Boston, and then decided that I was going to try try my talents here in Atlanta.
0: When you went out of Simmons, how long were you working in Boston in the marketing Field? Did you? Step I there for actually a while? took a
1: sales associate position at Fidelity Investments in downtown Boston. Okay. So it was kind of out of the space that I had studied, and that was mainly because the community is very tight in it in Boston when yeah. it comes to advertising and PR. And many, many wanted to hire me as an intern. And at that point, I needed to actually be making money. Right. <laughs> then an intern meant uh, an internship meant no money. No money. And so being coming a out of and, a, yeah. an expensive college, I needed to be. Uh, you know, making a living. Right. So I took a position as a sales associate thinking there'd be some marketing um,
0: components of that. Yes, yeah. exactly.
1: Yeah. And that was not necessarily the case. However, it was an excellent experience being with a giant company like that in downtown Boston. Loved the teams that I worked with. The work wasn't what I was passionate about.
0: Right. Well, what brought you to Atlanta?
1: So during that time, I decided, okay, maybe I need a change. So I interviewed five different cities and I sent out probably 400 resumes. I had 200 interviews. I looked at San Francisco, Chicago, Miami, New York, Boston, and Atlanta. Yeah. And Atlanta had the most traction. There was one gal that worked with me at Fidelity. Her girlfriend at the time was the PR director for Phipps Plaza in Buckhead. Oh, okay. And she had 40 plus media contacts that she shared with me. And she was amazing, had never met me, but on the word of her girlfriend, gave me this open door, and I literally interviewed with every single one of them, plus, plus, plus. Yeah. And even though I didn't lock down a position after those uh, events, I felt like, Atlanta had already shown me that this was a sign for me to come down. Right. Something
0: to offer for you. yeah. Exactly.
1: So literally, like in my two-week notice, they told me, don't worry about working it out. So I had a two-week vacation. (laughs) Nice. And then a one-way ticket to Atlanta and just started
0: from scratch. At what point did you decide real estate might be an option for you or or what got you into that?
1: When I came to Atlanta, I got really into fitness and became much more um, aware of how much better I felt when I was actually in the gym and paying attention. So I built myself a fitness practice and I ended up having that for three years. Wow, okay. Uh, And it was an amazing experience.
0: This was in Buckhead?
1: This was in Roswell. Okay. Yeah, in Roswell, Alpharetta area. Yeah. And it was right around the Olympic time. And Uh. a lot of uh, my husband played pickup basketball with a lot of former NBA players, and they were picking up properties all over Atlanta. This is like 12 to 18 months before the Olympics. These guys would go and play pickup basketball at the gym, and they were talking about all these investments they were making and making hand over fist money. My husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, he came in and said, You know, we should try this. Yeah. So, you know, everything sounds really, really hunky-dory and easy to do and right. it's really not yeah. easy to do, um, especially when you don't have all the tools and all the information. So, not licensed, new, newish to Atlanta. We were like, all right, let's try our hand. He's very handy. He runs a uh, residential painting company. Okay. So, we thought, okay, well, with what we can't do, we'll hire someone to do. Right. So, we ended up buying a very inexpensive piece of property in commercial or inner city residential residential. inner city downtown Atlanta and it was the best house on the worst block yeah which is what you want right it was yeah no
0: actually you want you want the worst house on the best you want it to be the best
1: house on the best block and what ended up happening was we polished this Mm -hmm. really well it looked beautiful in a short amount of time the 385 people that called on the ad to rent it or buy it didn't realize until they got there that was the wrong block to raise their kids on so nobody wanted to do anything nobody wanted to to live in this house Yeah, yeah um so i had to go back to the investor that sold us the property and I said, look, I think you knew exactly what you were doing. I need your help on unloading this because this is just it's just not working for us. Right. And I think I pulled on his heartstrings a little bit and he helped us find an investor who actually grew up in the neighborhood and we had already had investment properties with renters in it in the area. Right. So she so kindly took it off our hands for the amount of the note that we had. I oh, didn't cool. I just wanted to go ahead and get rid of it. So needless to say, 18 months in the red. But what a great learning experience. That was my entree into real estate. And as I'm coming out of this scenario, my mother and I were on a conversation. She said, why don't I just give you the real estate course for Christmas and you can see if you like this thing. Right. See if you want to move forward. And I had mentioned that I wanted to help protect other people from making the same mistakes Right, we did. right. So, and, uh, you know, the rest is history.
0: Yeah. And, and nothing better for sales than having that kind of background experience and right. being able to, to talk people through it. It's like, look, look, I've been through this.
1: That's right. This is
0: why you do not want to do this. That's right. So were you focused on investors early on because of that?
1: Not uh, necessarily. It was um I really was working with a lot of different types of buyers and at the time um, I was working with a lot of my peers who were in their late 20s yeah. and they were either first-time home buyers buying their first condo or a first small house or they were getting married gotcha and so that's where I was kind of working mainly and then from a corporate relocation perspective I was working with GE Siemens and bell south
0: so you're starting the corporate relocation stuff pretty early early yeah
1: that's really how i got my business off the ground
0: gotcha Mm -hmm. tell me how did you become an associate broker like how long were you a real estate agent before you went okay i'm going to go ahead and get my brokerage
1: you need to be a salesperson in georgia a licensed salesperson in georgia for three years before you can even apply to be an associate broker so for me i really didn't think about it that much i didn't know how much it was going to add to you know, my skill set and what that was going to mean to the public, you know, consumer when I work with them. Um, At the end of the day, it gives you carte blanche in some respects to open your own brokerage and manage a giant team if you want, or a small team, however you want to do it. But it gives you the opportunity to branch out on your own if you don't want to be under a big umbrella like I am with Keller Williams Realty. Right. So... I wanted to have that in my back pocket. I also wanted the extra layer of education that it provided. But as it relates to customers that I'm working with, I think the experience speaks for itself. It's not necessarily the fact that I'm a broker. But I can answer very interesting questions given the experience. Am I now, you know, I'm not a managing broker, yeah. but I can answer a lot of those broker questions.
0: Now, you've been with Keller Williams for over 20 years, right? Yes. So how, what's your experience like with Keller Williams? What's the, What do they offer you guys as an agency?
1: The attraction for me was really that they treat your business more like a business that happens to be in the real estate sector rather than coming in and just trying to, like, with your hair on fire, trying to sell a house. So let's, you know, step back a minute and hire a CPA, hire an attorney, get yourself set up, LLC, S Corp, however you want. And then let's. Get your business acumen up to speed. So it's really talking about how are we getting uh, leads, how are we delivering the service that we promise that we're right. going to, and setting that foundation before we say, okay, well now we have to go study the market and yeah. be able to deliver the information so that whatever business comes in, we can actually deliver the service.
0: Founder of the company yeah. does books and right. All right. Kinds so Gary, of stuff. Keller, Gary and, Keller, along yeah. with
1: several of his um, team members, will co-write books that will that are there for the real estate person, whether you're Keller Williams or otherwise, you can buy them anywhere on Amazon, sure. anywhere you buy books. So mm. for example, he wrote millionaire real estate agent, which doesn't necessarily mean you're making a million dollars. Your goal is to make a million dollars. But the idea is this is how a millionaire real estate agent sets up their business. right? And these are the steps to take. And if you follow the model, the chances are you're going to hit the goal that you want to hit. And that could be up to seventh level, which means you're making a million dollars, you've subbed yourself out of the business, right. now you can go on and do other things. Yeah. But your business is still running.
0: Yeah. You can walk away from it mm-hmm. and it's still going, yep. Right. Are there particular industries that you work with or particular kind of types of companies uh, or areas that you tend to relocate people from? or
1: We don't necessarily focus on an industry. We mm. have worked with all companies from UPS to Home Depot to okay. smaller companies. Well, they were smaller, ISS, who was then bought by IBM. Okay. Um, we did a lot of work with them when they were small, and then when they were bought, we worked with several IBMers. Um, so we have worked kind of across the gamut, and we've worked with smaller companies that were building, You know, they had large revenues, but had a small team, and they were trying to catch up with talent right, and relocate right. and trying to recruit and attract talent to the Atlanta market. So we were part of their recruit and select team. So we would help them give Atlanta that, you know, beautiful vernacular so that the yes. candidate would be sold on Atlanta and come join their team. Gotcha. Um, so we partner a lot with the hiring managers, the hiring teams and recruiters, executive or otherwise, that um, are trying to, you know, fill those wrecks But we've worked with all industries, all different sizes of companies. And I think that has been really great for us to be able to kind of run the gamut across the board so that we can answer questions from all types of companies. Yeah, We don't have to be that selective in that respect. Um, but if we don't serve a market particularly, so for example, we work the Georgia 400 corridor okay. from coming South Forsyth, all the way down to Midtown. Okay. So we run the 400 corridor, that's a lot. That includes Alpharetta, Milton, yeah. Roswell, Sandy Springs, Buckhead, Dunwoody, on all, all those little neighborhoods in between, like Peachtree Park, and then as you continue down Um, to Midtown. We also do East Cobb, Smyrna Vining's, and Peachtree Corners, and pretty far up Peachtree Industrial if we're going to Duluth and that area. But in any market that we do not serve, like specifically, I get a lot of Delta requests, and we don't serve the Peachtree uh, City or Noonan Market, so we have partners there. Um, We have partners in the Snellville, Lawrenceville areas. We have partners in Stone Mountain. Um, And then we have partners that are further out um, and more cities. rural areas yeah. and then also national oh. networks yeah, 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 because we do if, with these relocations we have a lot of people from da- that are going back and forth to dallas san antonio with at&t la san francisco new york boston i mean i think chicago's been a big one lately yeah yeah um so it just goes on
0: do you find most of those companies are doing the relocation through their HR departments or do they have their own relocation department or, you know?
1: Every single company has been different. Has so it... some of them don't have a dedicated relocation department. They have a dedicated HR person okay. or they have an HR person who's trying to do relo. Yeah. And that's where I come in. I usually try to come in and help t- take some of that stuff off their plate. Sometimes they don't know that I exist. So I'm yeah, working on yeah. getting that more and more infiltrating to say, look, I'm a resource. Don't worry about it. Right. I can help you take some of this off of your plate. Um, many companies, giant ones like Home Depot, like a UPS, will hire a third-party relocation management company, who then would partner with people like me. Okay. In the event that they don't know I'm here, the transferee can then just call their relocation management company and say, "I want to work with Jill Hynek," and prove yeah, I'm yeah. working with them. And it helps that I'm a certified relocation professional. Not very many agents are. So that does help in some respect because I have more understanding of what their relocation policy written by the company is gonna look like. Gotcha. And how to negotiate through that and navigate.
0: If someone is in an HR department in a situation like that, they're finding themselves over their head. What are some of the things they typically run into?
1: They don't know if they're offering the right benefits to attract or to compel a transferee or a candidate to move. Okay. So a lot of the time it's about, you know, what are my competitors? Where are the benchmarks? For companies of like size yeah. or like industries, what are they offering candidates right. to get them to come or well, get them to stay and make the move with us? Right. That has been a big challenge. So I can come and bring in some really great info regarding that. Um, and then also, you know, are we giving enough in these specific areas? So, for example, temporary housing. Okay. You know, if there's not a lot of inventory in a market like Atlanta, yeah, um, you might need more time than you know two or three days in a hotel. Right. And you might need more money built into the policy to let that person come back for another buy trip, more than one buy trip, to take a look. If they're selling and they're moving with your company to another state, to another HQ or HQ2, they might need some more time on the market because buyers aren't pulling the trigger as quickly as they used to. Right. They're taking their time. They want to make a real sound decision. They're not necessarily as willing to go into temp housing.
0: Yeah. Anymore
1: to wait for the right house to come along, so you're going to be waiting a little bit longer. So the policy might have to call for that.
0: Now, are those buyers having to sell their other property first, or is Sometimes. the company usually taking that on? And Sometimes it, them? it just yeah.
1: de- it just depends. More and more companies have deleted that part of their policy. They're they're not trying to bring in inventory properties, right? So that's where we come in. We come in with a very aggressive marketing strategy within 90 days. Really, our goal is within 45, but if you're a candidate moving with your job, yeah. they'll give you 90 days, sometimes a bonus if you sell it on your own, Yeah, and you're out. Our goal at Heineken Company is inside of 45 days, you're sold and closed, wow. and you're gone. And sometimes within 30, you're already on the job somewhere else. Yes. Yeah. So we're handling all of those details and wrapping them up for you when you're on the job.
0: Well, I suspect your marketing background comes into play pretty heavily with what you guys do.
1: It has definitely been a boon for me. <laughs> yeah.
0: Do you uh do you tend to hire other people that have that marketing background or you train them yourself on your own? Not your necessarily.
1: Staff? Um Well, I mean, I don't have anybody in office that does it. I have a marketing team that's external um, external, and that's what they do. So really it was just about, I mean, they know how to market. It's just what are we marketing? So I work on um, curating the messaging and that's what we're kind of revamping what that message looks like right now, but we're constantly updating what the messaging looks like to meet the clientele where they are.
0: Besides relocation, what are some of the other niches you guys focus on? Do you have people who are downsizing or, or obviously you're still probably working with people who are getting married and oh, yeah. kind of starting so life? But... We
1: call ourselves lifestyle transition experts Okay. and a lot has to do with the age that I am at. So where I am in my life, I'm in the middle. I have clients who are in their mid to late forties or mid to late fifties and they have young kids. yeah. So they're kind of moving up. So right. we're like buying bigger houses with basements. I also have that same age group who are retiring early. And so okay. they have kids in college. Yep. So then we're downsizing. And we're not necessarily downsizing price point we're downsizing space right and we're moving them to walkable areas with the higher walkability scores like if you're in virginia highland or if you're in historic roswell or and those kinds of things so that's what people are looking for lower maintenance less stuff yeah the location has been and the lifestyle is like really where people are focusing i'm also working with a lot of estate sales right now where unfortunately okay. our elderly family members are passing right and us as kids or you know executors are having to handle the, the estate and that's one more thing you don't want to have to think about so I come in and try to take some of that off the plate.
0: In those situations, are you typically being referred by an estate attorney or, or something? I'm like
1: typically that? referred by past clients when okay. that happens because they know, the friends know of uh, friends that are going through this. But I do partner with two estate attorneys right now that will refer me some of that. And I also, on the flip side of that, work with um, divorce attorneys who write me into. The divorce yeah. agreement. So that, <laughs> that's been happening quite a bit lately as well. Interesting. Uh, yes. So we're
0: going to use Jill. Yes. You don't have a...
1: <laughs> well, they want to put it... Sometimes it, they want to make sure it's a neutral party yeah. um, between the parties. So sometimes they want a neutral agent, not w- one or the other has okay. picked... The agent. Um, in some cases, it's amicable enough where they both have worked with me before, and they know that I'm going to, you know, take care of them regardless of the situation. Right. Right. So it just depends on the situation, but yes. So attorneys are a great source of of referrals.
0: Well, going back to the walkability part, what are you finding is happening with the Atlanta Beltline? Is that still a boom market for you guys? Or? Still
1: a boom market. It's interesting. I have had several inquiries over the last six months from. 50ish somethings yeah. who want to move to the belt line. Yeah. They're right, leaving right. some of them are living still inside the perimeter but they're not as close they want to just be able to jump on a bike. Right. Um they want to be able to walk to work or walk to dinner and their kids are you know in college or out so they're yeah. just done. So we're getting the young millennials that want to live there and younger. Who want to live there, all the way up to the empty nesters. So,
0: upside down bell curve. It It is. (laughs) It is. So, tell me about some of the other things that you do outside of uh, real estate. I know that you're part of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society.
1: I've been a fundraiser with them for many years. I was running and raising money through races um, across about five races. I raised over $20,000. That was very rewarding. Me being a two time cancer survivor myself, I'm not leukemia, lymphoma, um, but cancer nonetheless, and leukemia, lymphoma is does important work, their research spans across other cancers, so they shared this research that is applicable to other cancers, which is what was attractive to me. And ironically, my father-in-law had battled non-Hodgkin's lymphoma twice, and also um, during my time with cancer, we were diagnosed around the same time, we were going through chemo at the same time, we shaved our heads at the same time, we finished at the same time, and we celebrated at the same time. Rest in peace. He passed since since, but um, he did. He was alive for several years later after that, and so the treatments worked, yeah. and um, he did very well. But you know, there are so many people that are touched with it that really, it's very aggressive. And yeah. and this was a way for me to give back.
0: Well, that's great. You're a co-chair of Crew Atlanta. Tell me about that. Crew
1: Atlanta is commercial real estate women, and we are the largest chapter in the nation. And it's been a fantastic group of women who are working to elevate women in commercial real estate. I'm in the group because of my focus on corporate relocation. So okay. I am on the people side of an office move. Right. And that's how I function within CREW. We have several different committees and the committee that I'm serving on as co-chair is our signature cocktails okay. event, which used to be our annual wine auction event. Okay. Um, and so what we're doing is building in a little bit more where people who don't drink wine will still want to come. Right. We're raising money for the Atlanta Women's Foundation and for Crew Network, and this is also to elevate women. We give scholarships to women who are trying to understand how they would fit into the commercial real estate world. Okay. And then Atlanta Women's Foundation helps women interview, understand how to get back into the work life, be able to nice. build their lives back up after coming from maybe a very bad situation. Right. So so we, we're trying to support women no matter what. And then this is a great way to do it because we know that people will drink wine. Right. And people will pay to drink wine. So we, we have a fantastic event. So that's the event I'm co-chairing, which is November 5th at the Mannington 5th. Showroom.
0: Mannington mm-hmm. Showroom. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're also a contributing writer for Mobility Magazine, right? What Tell me about that. What is that?
1: So Mobility is our global trade organization magazine okay. through the Worldwide Employee Relocation Council. Okay. Okay. And I've been a member working you know, on that committee for a very long time. It's a great way for me to know what's happening behind the scenes with relocation management companies, what's happening with corporate relocation departments, what's trending, why aren't people relocating? Why aren't they taking the jobs? What are you doing to compel them to take the jobs? It's a great way for me to network with those service providers as right. well as corporate HR and relo people. So I've been writing for mobility for a long time. So I'll get to write articles depending on what month they're looking for content yeah, yeah. and in December, I wrote an article called the Rx for Cx and Cx stands for customer experience right. and so many times you hear from transferees and, and people who have relocated, you know, there is so much disconnect during my process. I really wish that I had this during my experience or that during my experience. So right. I what I did is delve a little bit more into what that means to a company when they're trying to relocate. And what does that look like for their service providers? Yeah. How are the service providers providing that experience so that the transferee feels like they've been cared for and that this move means something? Right. And it wasn't for not. We so often hear that it's been a terrible experience. And the idea here is not to have a bad experience and to keep them on the job.
0: Now, is the target audience for that magazine HR department's relocation companies, Correct. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. And corporate so, relocation. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And then you also have a radio show, right? Customer Experience Radio.
1: That's right. So customer experience has always been kind of a cornerstone, a passion of mine where We don't see that a lot in the industry. It's more about churning and burning, get you in a contract, get you in and gotta go. And I've really taken an organic approach to building my business, which has been, I want to delight, surprise, really over the moon experiences for my clients. And I wanna be just as excited for them during the process. We're always going to have hiccups. So it's how do you overcome that? How do you respond to that? And so Customer Experience Radio has been kind of born out of this passion to interview other companies and share with the business community what other companies in different industries like, for example, we had Horst Schulze, who is a co-founder of the Ritz-Carlton Hotels. Okay. he was on his book tour last March and he wanted to come in and obviously talk a little bit about his book but his book was really all about the guest experience right and and how does he empower his team to deliver that experience and why do people keep coming back to the Ritz Carlton and so I, I just think that's fascinating what yeah. he what he was willing to do to empower his team in order to keep these guests coming back for 20 30 40 years right um that's the kind of business I want. That's the kind of business we all want. We want repeat customers. Yep. We want loyalty. And that's how Customer Experience Radio was born. So we've had guests from Equifax come in and talk yeah, about yeah. how they responded to you know the crisis, right. right? We all know about. Piedmont Hospital came in and talked about the patient experience. They've developed a brand new department and they hired, they just brought people in and, and designed this department to figure out how are they going to improve that patient experience and the family experience around the patient experience. So these are things we're talking about on Customer Experience Radio. We are just having a blast doing it. The irony is that we haven't really had a lot of real estate-related yeah. you know, guests on there. That's okay, though. And so we are trying to build our real estate guest list right now. We okay. are looking for guests that really feel like they are delivering like a white-glove, roll-out-the-red-carpet kind of experience to their clients. And while it may not be as sexy in the real estate development side, right. or if you're on the tenant rep side, or if you're even on the relocation management side— we still, we know that they they exist out there and we just want to hear about them. Right. And I feel like the business community would benefit from hearing about that.
0: Tell me about your own business development, what you found is been helpful and, and not helpful as far as what you've done, like networking groups. Mm-hmm. What has worked for you guys?
1: For business development, it's multi-tiered, right? Yeah. So we are in contact with our past clients often. We are in person. We are... You know, obviously what most companies do, you reach out via email, you're on a, you know, random call list. And we, we rotate our call list right. to make sure that we're not, you know, ghosting our clientele. We are still here. And we know that even though you might not pick up your phone, then we know how to text you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just so you know, a lot of the time it is an authentic touch. We loved working with you. We just want to let you know we're thinking about you. I'm in there most of those markets often, so I often think about who I've worked with in those markets. Yeah. So we touch that way. A lot of the business development comes from Crew Atlanta where you're just in front of other women who, right. how can we help each other? How can we support each other? And how can we help each other look great in front of the client? So a lot of times we come in as resources for each other during a big move right? or you know a relocation of a company. I've also, for many years, was part of Pyrocorps and ran a team out of Vinings, okay. and that was four years. Mm -hmm. and still have strong relationships through that group and that I still get iterations of those referrals now. Um, I also served on the education council at the Buckhead Business Association for many years. And that was a great way to get to know what's happening Inside, you know, the Walsh Buckhead, yeah, and um, learn what companies are really making a difference for the community in Buckhead.
0: If there's anything that you could go back and do differently or sooner with your firm, what would, would that be?
1: I would say I probably would have joined Keller Williams earlier. Oh, yeah. I came in about a year and a half into my career. I was recruited, and because I was new and I was really making a huge go at it, it was noticed. Yeah, And so that's why I was invited to come and help start this Keller Williams Southeast region in 1999. So I'm one of the first 24, 25 ever in the Southeast region.
0: Okay, because it's everywhere now. (laughs) Right, so
1: it was a big risk uh, at the time. And now it's the number one yeah. real estate company in the country. So that was a good risk, yeah, yeah, <laughs> which you don't know at the time.
0: Very good gamble, yeah.
1: Um, but I would have started earlier because of what I mentioned earlier, where you the training begins from the right. business level, the business mindset, and you're laying that groundwork. Now granted, I'd only been in the business a year and a half, so I wasn't that far gone. Yeah. Um, but there were a lot of agents that came with that had been in the business 10, 15, 20 years, and, it was kind of like light bulbs going off left and right, like, okay, now I just need to like stop doing what I'm doing, roll, back a little, roll my sleeves up, hang tight, build this strategy, and then take two steps forward. So that's probably what I would have done differently.
0: Well, is there anything that you guys are working on right now that you're looking forward to? Any new changes? Uh, Anything in the industry that you see changing that you see? I see
1: interest rates to continue to fall. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um,
1: so if you're wanting to refinance, this is the time to do it. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing like 3.25 interest rates. I mean, all of that is going to be determined by your own personal financial situation, but we're seeing across the board about 3.25 if you're refinancing a 15 year loan, um, I recommend trying to just refinance the balance and try not to cash out.
0: Yeah, just be right. really,
1: really cognizant about cashing out and taking on more than you, you know, than right. you should.
0: Right. Yeah. What about the pricing uh, right now for the housing market? Is it changing? We've been
1: we've been in a shift probably for the last, I guess it will. Differ, depending on who you talk to but yeah. what i've been reading and all the prognostications have been okay we're still going to be continuing to shift it's probably been 18 24 months okay that we've seen the shift and you're not seeing it super significantly that's yeah. why you don't see a lot of talk about it right i think it's just kind of flattening out yeah. and probably getting more to a balanced market where you have just as many buyers as you do sellers right there's the demand is about equal I definitely think the inventory is gonna sit a little longer. Yeah. So that the shift is going to be happening in that way, which is what happened during the crash. Right, right, and mm-hmm. maybe
0: some deals to be had though.
1: There there are deals to be had no matter what market we're in, but specifically as this happens, and then you're an investor, and yeah. you're trying to take advantage of what's happening right now, then this is the time to do it, because your interest rates are gonna be great too, yeah. even with 10% down.
0: Now are you seeing that with land as well, and commercial buildings and stuff like that as well, or is it mostly residential?
1: Um. What I have just on my radar right now has been residential. I know commercial, they typically have the slower cycle anyway. Right now I'm working on an assemblage, which is considered kind of part residential, part commercial. Yeah. Right. Right. So I've got six residential lots that want to be converted into a multifamily property.
0: Yeah. And that's becoming more and more common. I mean, it's happening right across the street. Right. right And they
1: are not slowing their roll. Yeah. I mean, you still see the c- construction happening all around Atlanta on yeah. uh, the metro area, so they're not slowing their roll. That's a good sign. Money is still there. The interest rates are low, so people are still borrowing. Yeah. So that's a, that's, a, that's a great situation
0: to be in. Awesome. Well, Jill, thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening to the show. If you haven't already, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform be that apple podcast google play stitcher or spotify and also subscribe to our youtube channel as i said earlier in the show the new format will be starting in mid to late july we hope and we are going to be featuring full versions of the podcast in video format so go ahead and subscribe if you go to our website websuasion.com w-e-b-s-u-a-s-i-o-n Dot com. You'll see social media icons to the top right of our website. Click on the third from the right. That's YouTube. Click on the subscribe button and then click on the bell icon and you will get notified as soon as the new version of our podcast is made available. We hope you join us for the new format soon. And until then, have a productive work week.